Father, we thank you for your presence in this house of worship this morning where the church has gathered. Your people have come that they might worship you and ascribe glory and honor to you. They have come that you might speak to them the words of eternal life and transform them into the image of your Son from one degree of glory to another. They have come because they know in you they find everything they need for life and godliness. Feed us this morning with bread from heaven. Give me utterance and give them understanding. We trust you, Holy Spirit, the teacher, to fulfill your mission, your assignment, your purpose this morning. Christ has qualified us by his blood. There's nothing to hinder you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Those of you who are watching and participating from the comfort of your home, welcome. God bless you to this, this time together with the Lord. Are you ready for the word? Yes, All right, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. And I want to speak this morning uh, from the story of Naaman, uh, the leper. Uh, he was the one who was healed by God. And uh, he had this life-transforming encounter with the Lord. And I pray that our look at Naaman and his story this morning will empower us, inspire us to have our own divine encounters with God, as well as to be an instrument to help others experience God for themselves. Say, Lord, speak to me this morning. I'm listening to hear you. And so we begin at verse 1. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great an honorable man in the eyes of his master. Say he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, which means the king held him in high esteem. They, the king respected him. He was a, a confidant of the king. In many ways, the king looked up to him. Because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. This is a description, a resume, so to speak, of this man, Naaman. As the commander of the army of the king of Syria, he may have been equivalent today to the chairman of the joint chief of staff. Um, very well-respected, maybe four or five-star general. The Bible says that he 
the Lord had given him victory uh, by, through Naaman to Syria. And, you know, when you read that, it's, that's kind of strange because at this point, Naaman does not know God. No, Na- Naaman is a heathen. He's not a believer. And yet we find that God is working through him. And that God is giving victory to Syria. Again, a heathen, idolatrous nation. God is giving victory to Syria. Many times we, we, we falsely think that God only works through people who are saved. That God only blesses people who are saved. But we see here that God is sovereign. And in his providence to accomplish his purposes, God can use anybody he chooses to use to accomplish his purpose. And God can and God does use unsaved people in order to promote his kingdom agenda. And in this case, he used David. And he did give victory to a heathen country, a heathen nation called Syria. Uh, Our theology today would not allow for that Uh, because we we think that God only works through saved people and God only blesses saved people. But God is a good God. Amen. And God is a sovereign God. And the Bible tells us God causes rain or the sun to shine, the rain to fall on the land of the just and the unjust. And the day is going to come when even the unbeliever, the one who hates God, will realize and will recognize when his eyes are truly opened that had it not been for God, he would never have been able to start that business. In spite of his hatred and unbelief, had God not been yet good to him, he would not have been able to uh, survived that accident. Uh, he would not have overcome that illness. Had God not been good to him and blessing him, even though he was a sinner, he never would have accomplished all the things that he was so proud of. God is good to the just. The Bible says God is the Savior of all men. And then it says, especially of those who believe. Those of us who believe, I mean, there's a special blessing that comes to us that that is over and beyond that which the unbeliever experiences. But God is good to all men. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says he causes his goodness because his goodness leads to repentance. And so one of the reasons why God is good to all men, and we'll see that in this story, is that his goodness the day they recognize that he's the one being good to them, it will lead them to repentance. Come on, raise your hand and say, thank you, God. Our Father, you are good all the time. Amen? And so, what, what a description, what a resume. Amen? A man of value. And then there's a common, and then we find these three words. But a leper. But he, Naaman, this highly accomplished man, this man, with all of his accomplishments, this man 
with all of his connections to the king, this man, with all of his military prowess and success, this five-star general, this man who was honorable and great in the sight of men. The scripture says, this man was a leper. But this man was a leper. You see, Naaman had a condition on the inside of him that was eating him up from the inside out. It was leprosy. He was afflicted with a condition that with all of his money, with all of his power, with all of his connections, he was powerless over. He could not rid himself of this condition. He had no solution to it. And so it was eating him up. He had a death sentence because at that time there was no human cure to this condition. What a resume. Yet there is this but that appears. Now, all of us who are listening to me, whether in this room or by live stream, ought to be able to identify with Naaman at this point. Because if you will be honest, your resume has a but. I mean, no matter how successful you are, no matter how great you may appear, how wonderful men may feel you are as a person, humanly speaking, and how impressive your personal resume might be. If you're honest, there's a but. But she is too proud. But he is selfish. But he suffers from a spirit of rejection. But deep down, he doesn't really love himself. But all he or she thinks about is herself. But if we're honest, there's a but there. But he is an adulterer. And worst of all, but he does not, she does not know Jesus. And the reason I say that's worst of all, because all of these other buts, yeah, they will steal and kill and, 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 and bring harm if they're not dealt with. But, but that's temporal. But the but, he does not know Jesus. The but, she does not know Jesus is worst of all because if that is your but, if that is still a part of your resume, then you, with all of the accomplishments, 
are another judgment of sin. You are carrying on the inside of you eternal death. And like Naaman, you are face to face with something that there is no solution to humanly speaking. You might be able to find solutions to some of those other things. You might be able to go to a psychologist. You might be able to take some medicine. You might be able to take a vaccine and deal with some of these other buts. But the but, he or she does not know Jesus. It's a but for which there is no human cure. You can have connections with the king, and the king himself cannot help you. You can be a five-star general and have great military might and prowess, and your weapons and your skills cannot help you because the only one who can solve the problem of sin and spiritual death it's Jesus Christ. And for that, but to ever be removed from your resume, you're going to have to meet him for yourself. Are you hearing me? You can run to the king. You can run to the bank. You can run to the hospital. You can run to the psychiatrist. No one but Jesus has the solution to the sin problem and to take care of that but you've got to have a personal encounter with him you've got to meet him yourself and so let's go to verse 2 and the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet, if only he had a personal meeting with the prophet, who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, this little girl, she had been brought into Damascus by Naaman against her will. She was the victim of his raids where he had led his armies into Israel uh, and had taking her family, killed some of her relatives, and brought her against her will, separated her from, her from her family, and now enslaved her in her house, in his house. And she was now serving his wife. Wow, she had a lot of reasons to be bitter. She had a lot of reasons to be resentful. She had a lot of reasons to look at his leprosy and say, yeah, my God is judging him. That's what you get when you mess with an Israelite. That's what you get when you mess with a child of God. 
Amen. She had a lot of reasons to rejoice and to wish him dead because of the wickedness that had been perpetrated against her. A little girl brought forcibly, taken away from her family and enslaved. But thank God, this girl knew God. And instead of responding to Naaman in that manner, it is clear that when she saw him in the condition he was in, her heart was moved with compassion. Because she knew that that disease that he had eaten him up from the inside was incurable, but humanly speaking, and that unless he had a meeting with the prophet, he would perish. And so moved by compassion, she preached the gospel to him. Moved by compassion, she shared her testimony. Moved by compassion, she told him that there is a prophet. <laughs> there is a prophet in Israel. Hallelujah. And, and, and she spoke with such confidence. If only my master would meet the prophet and have a personal meeting with him, he would heal him of this leprosy. Say that. He would heal him of this leprosy. One more time. He would. And so she witnesses to him. She tells him of this prophet, this man of God, who she knew would heal him if only he met him. Oh, if only the sinner would be Jesus. Uh, if only the sinner would meet Jesus, he would heal him of his sins and deliver him from eternal death. If only the sinner would meet Jesus. And so she told him of this prophet and in the next verse, we find that the message was taken to the king. And the king was told about the prophet. And the king made available to Naaman the resources he needed to go to Israel, Samaria in particular, to meet the prophet Elisha. The king wrote a letter that he was going to send to the king of Israel. And with that letter and a lot of gold and, and money and wealth, Naaman made the journey from Damascus to Samaria to meet the prophet. Say to meet the prophet. Now think about it. This little slave girl spoke to this great man of a prophet in Israel that would heal him. And this great man had enough confidence in the words of this little girl that he was willing to make this long journey 
from Damascus to Samaria just because of the testimony of this child. You got to ask yourself, why would this man believe her? Why would such a great man take the word of this girl, this little girl, a slave, the little girl, and make this journey only on the basis of her testimony? As I meditated on that, there were three things that came to my mind. First of all, he did it because he was desperate. You see, when you are facing a life-threatening situation and you have tried everything else and nothing else has worked, hear me, you're so desperate for a solution that, that you are willing to do things you wouldn't ordinarily do. So one of the reasons he's willing to do this because he has come to the point where he realizes there's no hope for me in Damascus. Oh, may you and I realize that there is no hope for us, no eternal hope for any man, any woman outside of Christ. May we come to the place where we realize that without him, we are lost eternally and we're so desperate for our salvation and so desperate for eternal life that we would dare to do whatever it takes in order to secure that eternal life that is found only in him. Are you desperate enough to do whatever it takes to be saved? He was desperate. Most people have not yet come to Christ because they have not realized how desperate their condition is. May the Holy Spirit open the eyes of those who are watching. If you're not saved, may your eyes be open and may you realize how desperate your condition is because if you were to die today without Christ, you are lost forever. The second reason why her witness was so, so effective had to be had to be because she had proven herself to always be truthful. Oh, her character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said her character had a lot to do with her credibility. If she had been known as a maid to lie and to not always tell the truth, that this is somebody you cannot always trust, there's no way Naaman would have trusted her word enough to make this journey. But her character, her character, she had conducted herself well. She had conducted herself as a believer. She had conducted herself as an ambassador of her God. She had a, a conducted herself as a, as a godly and faithful worker. And her character had given her witness credibility. And so when she spoke about the prophet and she testified, the man could believe her testimony concerning this prophet because he had watched her tell the truth every time. You see, hear me. Harvesters, if our witness is going to be effective and credible, then we've got to be people of character. You see, if you lose your credibility in one area, 
you're going to lose your credibility in all areas. And if someone found that they cannot believe you when you speak, or they cannot trust you, hear me, you undermine your ability to witness for Christ. Your character counts when it comes to your witness. Are you hearing me? That's why you got to be careful with what you say all the time. You can't separate your Christian witness from the rest of your life. You can't be speaking foolishness and demonstrating lack of credibility in one area and then think tomorrow when you start to witness, people are going to take you serious and take your words as being credible. Are you hearing me? She had a credible testimony because she had a credible life. May God grant you and me that we may so live that our lives would be such that in our words that we speak and our habits and the things we do every day support and strengthen our Christian witness and not weaken and undermine our testimony in the sight of the world. Don't lose your testimony over politics. Don't lose your credibility over politics. Let's bring it home. Watch what you say and how you say it. At all times, speak the truth. And then I say, this is the third reason why I believe she was so credible. I may have to continue this message next week, but she was so credible in her witness. It's because when she witnessed, she witnessed with confidence. My goodness, there was not a hint of doubt in her voice. She said, if he meets the prophet, he will heal her, him of his leprosy. No doubt, no unbelief, full of assurance, full of confidence that the, the need this man had, the answer was found in meeting the prophet. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You see, the more confident we are in the gospel and the greater our own faith in Christ, the more believable will be our witness. The more effective will be our witness. The more powerful will be our witness. Are you hearing me? And so may God grant you and me the revelation of Christ and his sufficiency and his ability to meet every need, to save every soul, to, to answer every question, to be the solution to every problem. May God cause our faith in him to be strong and unshakable. That when we testify of him and we say of him to others that he saves, we will say it with such faith and such confidence that the unbeliever will take us seriously, that our witness will be effective. We don't apologize for Jesus. We say to the sinner, with God, all things.
things are. You cannot save yourself, but with God, all things are possible. It's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. But I know a God with whom nothing is impossible. And he can save your soul. If you would just meet Jesus, Jesus will cleanse you of your sins. If you meet Jesus, Jesus will make you brand new. If you meet Jesus, Jesus will give you the gift of eternal life. If you meet Jesus, he will save you to the uttermost. No matter how thick your sin, no matter how deep your depravity, I know a man who can cleanse you of your sins and who can change you from the inside out and make you brand new. There's no problem you're facing, sinner, that he's not the answer to. Meet him and your life will never be the same. May our confidence and our faith in the Savior be as hers was in the prophet. That when we share him, we share him with confidence. There's no sinner who is so sinful that his blood would not cleanse and wash and make him whole. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care how evil you are. I say if you will come to Jesus and you will meet Jesus face to face and personally and put your faith in him, I say to you, your sins that are now as scarlet will become as clean and white as snow. Come on, raise your hand and say, thank God Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. No man comes to the Father except by him. Hallelujah. So her witness was credible because of her character. Her witness was credible because of her confidence. May our witness be credible and effective because of the character we exude and the confidence we have in our solution, even Jesus, our Savior. And so Naaman embarks on this journey, and the scripture tells us, let's go to the next verses, please. Verse 4, go now, and I will send a letter to the king. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Why do you think he's taking all of that? Do you think he needs it for himself? No, he's taking it because he doesn't, be, he doesn't know about grace. He's taking all of this because he thinks he's going to have to buy his healing. He thinks he's going to have to pay for his salvation. He thinks he's going to have to pay for his deliverance. He thinks he's going to have to pay for his miracle. And that's what many sinners think. And unfortunately, even believers who have come to Christ, they say we're saved by grace, but they live and act as though they are not. And we, we continue to believe that we are going to have to earn, deserve, pay for, do something to deserve. We got to give God something in exchange 
for our cleansing, something in exchange for our healing, something in exchange for our favor, something in exchange for the anointing. We still think that somehow there's a price that we've got to pay. And so when Naaman began this journey, he took all of his money, all this wealth, because he was willing to pay as much as it would take in order to get this healing. But it, it's, it's only because he had not known and had not heard. And he had not come to know that the God that, of that prophet was a God full of grace and mercy. And that he does not sell his blessings. Are you hearing me? There is not one cent that he's going to accept from you or me for our salvation. There is not one minute of work he's going to ask you to give for favor for the anointing he will not receive anything in exchange for his blessings when they when the apostles were laying hands upon people and they were being baptized with the holy ghost simon came and said here here's some money give me that power that you have and the, the apostle Peter looked at him and said, your money perish for you because you think you can buy the gift of God. Hear me, salvation is a gift. Oh my goodness, the forgiveness of sins is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. Divine favor is a gift of God. Wisdom is a gift from God. The anointing is a gift from God. If you want any blessing from God, in, 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 in especially salvation, you've got to realize there's only one way to get it, and it's to receive it as a gift from God. You can't buy, you can't earn, you can't merit any of God's blessings. They are all paid for in full by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And now God dispenses it freely. Oh, Naaman didn't know that, but he was about to discover. Oh my goodness. That all of God's gifts are free. Listen, if you're watching and you desire to be saved, one of the things that is probably keeping you from salvation is because you have been lied to. And you have grown up hearing this religious stuff that causes you to think that in order to get saved, you got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and you got to go to all of this. No, 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 no. Hear me. Here is the truth. The gospel is good news because it is salvation by grace through faith in Christ. Here's the good news. The price you should have paid, Christ has paid for you. Here's the good news. All of your sin debt is canceled. God is not asking you for anything. The only thing God wants from you is some humility. Because the scripture says he will resist the proud. But he will give grace to the humble. And so Naaman makes this journey, and I'll, I'll rush, and then I'll continue next week. He takes a letter to the king, 
And the king reads the letter because the letter say it's coming from the king of Syria to the king of Israel saying, listen, this is my servant and I want you to heal him. <laughs> and the king of Israel, the Bible says, he takes off his clothes. He begins to holler. This man wants to, this man is looking for trouble. He's finding, he's looking for a reason to fight me. Because am I God? Who told him I had the power to heal, the power to make him alive, the power to cleanse his, who? This man is simply trying to cause me to give him a reason to come and fight me. And so while the king was screaming and yelling, word got to the prophet Elisha, and the prophet said, why are you going through all of that? Tell Naaman to come to me. Oh my goodness. And, and, and he will know, oh my goodness, he will know that there is, my goodness, there is a prophet in Israel. Hallelujah! There was a prophet in Israel then, and my goodness, there's one greater than Elijah now. This girl pointed to Elijah, we get to point to Jesus. Oh, may the whole world know that there is a prophet Hallelujah, who is more than a prophet because he not only speaks the word, he is the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, Naaman comes. And the Bible says he comes with his chariot. He comes with his entourage. General Naaman shows up at the door of the house of the prophet Elijah. And my goodness, he has expectations. He comes dressed in his armor. He comes with his entourage. And he has expectations that the prophet would come up outside to receive him and give him the respect that he should have. He has the expectation that the prophet will minister to him a certain way. And he actually says, I, I thought he would come outside and said, you know, he sent a messenger to meet me. No, Elijah, that's not the way you should have treated me. You don't send a messenger. You should have come yourself. And he says, besides that, I thought you would stand and you would pray this religious prayer. In, in fact, let's read it. Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand and heal the leprosy. And now, I, I know they didn't have Google back then. So uh, he couldn't have gotten it by Googling that. But, he, so, but maybe there was some, something here they did in Syria. That was how they did their stuff in Syria. So this man comes and he has his expectations. How should and how he should be treated. And in essence, he says to the prophet, you should have come out to meet me yourself. You shouldn't send a messenger to me. That's disrespect. You should not have told me, dip in the river Jordan. A man like me, that's beneath my dignity. You should know that. And by the way, if I was going to wash in a river, it wouldn't be the Jordan River. We've got much better rivers from where I come from. Hmm? So you shouldn't have done that. And literally, he became angry. 
angry. What was, what was manifesting here? Pride. He was resisting the simplicity of the, of the, of the solution. He felt that a man like him should be treated differently and the requirement that he should, 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 should have to meet shouldn't be something as mundane and simple as tipping in the Jordan River. So he was resisting and rebelling against the simplicity of the gospel. And that's a problem. So many people continue to have a problem with grace. They resisted something on the inside of man feels that I've got to do something to merit it, to deserve it, that I can claim credit for. And when you say to a sinner or you say to a man, no, there's nothing that you have that God wants or God needs. It's too much to humble themselves to that level and simply accept this free gift. But hear me, I'm going to stop. I'll continue next week. That's the only way anyone is going to be saved. And it's by humbling yourself. The only way anyone's going to receive any blessing from God is not your money God wants. Later, he offers Elisha money. Elisha says, I'm not going to receive it. It's not your money God wants. God wants you to humble yourself and admit your need. Humble yourself and believe his promise. Humble yourself and accept his grace. There's a lot more I'm going to say. I'll say it next week. But I want to speak to you now. And I want to ask you. At the end of this story, Naaman is completely transformed. His leprosy is totally cleansed. He is made whole. None of that would have happened if the little slave girl had not been willing to open her mouth and share the good news with him. God had sovereignly and providentially placed her in that man's life, in that house, in order for her to be a witness. And by the way she carried herself, she earned the credibility required to be a credible witness and an effective witness. Had she not shared the good news with Naaman, Naaman would have died with his leprosy. Child of God, you who are saved, God places you in people's lives. God puts you in places. God connects you to people. High and low. Because God wants to use you in that person's life. God wants you to be the instrument of life and healing and salvation for that person. Hear me. Watch over your character. Watch your conduct. 
And as God gives you the opportunity, tell them about that one who's greater than Elisha. There are many Naamans who will be completely transformed. And it's going to be because you allowed God to use you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll continue next week. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, which will not return to you void. Now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, take this message and let it produce fruit a hundredfold in our lives. Let this word produce witnesses for Christ who like this child will be credible and believable because of their confidence in Christ and because of the character and the quality of their lives. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you're watching and you have not yet had a personal encounter with Christ, let me say to you, just like Naaman met the prophet and his leprosy was com completely healed, today, if you will simply humble yourself and surrender your life in simple faith into the hands of Jesus, who is far greater than Elisha, I say to you with absolute confidence, every sin you've ever committed will be totally removed. Your future will be secure. Eternal life will enter your spirit and you will never perish. That is the gospel. And if you're ready now to encounter this salvation through Jesus Christ, pray with me. Very simple because the gospel is simple. But believe it and you will be saved. Let's pray. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I humble myself and I admit I cannot save myself. I cannot save myself. Lord, I believe you are the Savior of the world and you can save any sinner. So today, I humble myself and I ask you to save me from my sins. I receive you and I confess you as my Savior and as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.